Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Blankers, we, we haven't heard in a while, right? Maybe I'm mistaken. Correct me if I'm wrong. We haven't heard people complain about the Texans winning the Week 18 game against the Colts, their final game of the season, which cost them the number one pick of the NFL draft. That's yeah. died down, right? Yeah, it died down after a couple weeks after the draft. You think it was after the draft? I think I think they waited still because there's still until you see Bryce Young play and all those things. There was and then the trade was made and they were like, well, if you, you know, you yeah. didn't have to do all this if you just did what you were supposed to do in the last week of the season. I was going to say a couple weeks, like in the build up to the draft, but let's call it that range, that four week span, two weeks prior, oh, yep. two weeks post draft, and then where we are now. I feel like that that conversation has died down, and I feel most people are pretty pleased with C.J. Stroud, first preseason game, 11 snaps, four throws notwithstanding. I think people were pleased in the city that they got a franchise quarterback, pleased that even though the price to come back up to number three was very extreme, pleased with what Will Anderson can bring to this team, and then the whole D'Amico effect you know, has been something that's built buzz, et cetera, et cetera, all of that. I feel like that conversation's almost dead. Well, we're not talking about the Texans beating the Colts week 18, costing them the number one pick of the NFL draft, which in turn became Bryce Young. Can you envision a scenario this season, this season, where Texans fans start to gripe again about not landing the number one pick? Sure. I mean, if C.J. Stroud falls flat on his face. I mean, if as much as we just told the national media and everybody that felt like one two-series appearance in your first preseason game was enough to say Bryce Young, I mean, C.J. Stroud was a bust. I mean, if we just don't see any kind of progress and we just see a David Culley-esque quarterback that people are going to start saying, this is still all on you because all you had to do. But I, 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 don't, I don't anticipate that situation popping up because I don't think that's who C.J. Stroud is going to turn out to be. But to answer your question, yeah, if something like that starts happening, absolutely they'll go back to that. That's the answer to, to the question is that C.J. Stroud, and I think that you probably need Bryce Young to play well too. Like if Bryce Young is, you know, the bed, just like C.J. Stroud is, you're not going to really be, well, you know, Bryce Young's awful too. So I think it's a combination of Stroud struggling and Bryce Young playing well. I, I think it's actually pretty similar to the the Derek Stingley-Sauce Gardner conversation. Like, everybody was pleased when the Texans took Stingley. The build-up of the draft, you and I were, were, were actually on the Sauce side, yep, yep. but the build-up to the draft, people would rather have Stingley over Sauce. They were happy that they had Stingley over Sauce when they drafted him, and then the season played out, and Sauce played at a different level than Stingley, who quite frankly was in a bad scheme for him and then got hurt. Uh, Sauce was in the perfect scheme for him. Sauce outplayed Stingley in his rookie year, and we started to hear that you know avalanche of criticism for Casario taking the wrong guy. It's going to be something like that on a much bigger stage because it's the quarterback position. So I think that it, it's in play if Stroud plays poorly, Bryce Young plays well, that people are going to look back at the end of last season and start to complain. I think the bigger question that I have is how quickly could that timeline be? How quickly could fans start to, I'm not going to say turn on C.J. Stroud, but look at Bryce Young and be like, man, I wonder what could have been. Or clamor for Bryce Young like they did really at the end of last season. First, just first glance at you saying that, six week six of okay. the NFL. Around week six, if Bryce Young is playing his ass off and, and, and C.J. Stroud is struggling, and Texans fans are, you know, getting more frustrated. I think it could resurface as soon as then because they think that you're right. Just like we said, look, the fact that Will Anderson and, and C.J. Stroud are going to be evaluated together for the majority of their career because of what happened on draft day. Well, I think that we all know that C.J. Stroud 
and, and, and Bryce Young are going to be evaluated together in the maybe in the early stages, maybe for their entire yeah, career. I think for their entire career. So, we still evaluate Manning and Leaf. Yep. So if that's the case, that if Bryce Young comes out of the gates firing and they look pretty good and he's doing things as a quarterback and CJ's struggling, oh, it's not going to take long for the for the critics to come out of the woodwork. I think it could be quicker than that. Quicker I, than week six? We live in a microwave society. We're like, we're, we're, how much criticism did you see of C.J. Stroud after one preseason game? Now, all the rookie quarterbacks produced poorly in their first preseason game, as they should. The rookie quarterbacks playing against NFL competition, really, for the first time. Uh, the training camp stuff, they're just touching you when a defender runs by. So they're all going to struggle, and they're going to struggle during the course of the regular season as well. I think if C.J. Stroud plays poorly, I would even say, like, two, three games, and Bryce Young's looking like rookie of the year, I think people are quickly going to be like, oh, that Davis Mills, oh, that fourth and 20. I think it can happen fast because you see how quickly opinions change and how quickly opinions kind of spread based on where we where we are nowadays, like with Twitter. I mean, you, you see Twitter, people people flip on, on on a dime based on like the inning of the game. It starts off, they're down 2 nothing in the third. Oh, this Astros team's terrible. Now they're up 5-2 to two in the eighth. Oh, back to the World Series. So we see See how quickly that stuff flips? I think, again, it's going to take Stroud playing poorly. It's going to take Bryce Young playing well. I think we could see it in the first quarter of the year. Yeah, I was thinking just that even the most irrational fan would at least give this scenario five weeks of the regular season to be able to analyze it. But you're right. In in today's day and age, just like it's a 24-second news cycle, it's a 24-second social media cycle, too. And the minute something goes bad, or if it consistently starts to go bad, they're not going to hold back. And they are going to come full throttle. And that's just the society we live in. I wonder if we're going to hear some whispers before the Texans' first game even. Like, if, if Caleb Williams goes out there and throws, like, 10 touchdowns versus see, San, Jose in Nevada, San Jose State in Nevada. See, that changes the conversation even. Because, like, because really you are – you're not just comparing him to Bryce Young. It's Bryce Young because you could have had him. Anthony Richardson was taken two picks later. And, in theory, you could have just taken Will Anderson number two – stunk again and had Caleb Williams mm-hmm. next year. So it's like, it's always going to be, CJ is not just compared to one guy. He's compared to a bunch of quarterbacks where he's going to have crazy high expectations his it's, whole career. It's the hornet's nest that is this situation. And it always is, right? Well, but this is exacerbated by the fact that because, you know, you had the pick because of the fact that, you know, you did what you did on draft day because of all the, and because you came out with a quarterback class where there was three legit top 10 quarterbacks taken in the draft, it was like the perfect scenario of the perfect storm to know that whoever took this job was going to be analyzed a million different ways. And that's, you know, before we knew that they were going to make the deal on draft day, which just times it, you know, took it up another notch because of the fact that now you don't have your pick. So now there's even more pressure on whoever takes this gig and you got to perform right away because they're expecting wins because they don't expect them to, to have their team finish their own record in the top two or three of the draft. Yeah, the other thing, too, though, is that, like, based off, we talked about how it felt like Texans fans were kind of coddling CJ after he struggled in that first preseason game, like, just, like, too much. Yeah, they were babying him. It was too much. Part of me does wonder if CJ could almost do no wrong this year. Uh, I don't think think that at all. Not at all. Like, some some of these fans, like, they're drinking the Kool-Aid so hard right now that, no. As long as he's not Joe. Josh Rosen. No, 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 no. If if he makes Davis Mills type throws consistently, the the Brandon Cooks throw that we criticized that was behind and down on the ground, and some of the things where we were like the the out patterns where he was hitting the popcorn vendor in the third row instead of coming close to the receiver's hands on just out routes, 
and that that starts to be a pattern, oh, there's no way yes. he's got immunity. Especially if Bryce is playing good. Like, cause you're going to yeah. be looking, why did we convert the fourth and 20? Yeah. I think it could happen super fast. If Richardson plays, because See, I, I, everybody I, said there were, you know, I was the one that said, it's, he's two years away from really determining for all of us and for himself who he could be, but he's starting right away. If he starts to play better than C.J. Stroud, that that doesn't sit well for C.J. Stroud. I don't. I will never compare Richardson to Stroud, though. Like I, I think I, a lot of people will, though. You're probably right. I won't be one of them, though, because I, I don't think that Richardson was ever an option for this style of offense. Yeah. Ever. So, like, to me, it's not a Stroud-Richardson conversation. I, I, like, Levis ended up going in the second round, so it's not a Stroud-Levis conversation. I think it's a, darn it, we screwed up on that final game against the Colts in Week 18. We should have had Bryce Young. He was ours, especially if he's playing well. And then I think the, the, the thing that Joe brought up, too, where it's like, okay, just take Will Anderson at number two if you're not in love with C.J. Stroud. Even if you don't have the number one pick next year, you're sitting there with two first-round draft picks where you have ammunition to move up, and then there's also two quarterbacks. Quarterbacks, like you know, top end quarterbacks in next year's draft as well. I think those are the two conversations: Bryce versus CJ, CJ versus the rookie draft class of 2024. I think, I think your perspective is the one that should be followed. But the thing is, if Richardson balls out right away, and next year when they do the the way too early redraft, and ESPN puts that out, and Richardson is slotted at two instead of Stroud, yeah, the, the conversation will still be there. You're right. Like, I think you are right about that. Like the it, narrative of that will exist. It should. I won't do that. Yeah, it should not exist, but like it'll it'll be there for sure. So it's almost even like you know, even like with the 49ers. Now I, I think most people believe they made a mistake with Trey Lance, but there's always revisionist history. I mean, even to, the, way, the way people talk about Tom Brady, like the Patriots passed on him six times. The, yeah. the Ravens passed on Lamar Jackson three times. Like there's always revisionist history in, with the NFL draft. But the national media also kind of exploits all of this because we talked about the fact that Stroud only played two series. He threw one interception, and suddenly the headlines were just absolutely annihilating him as, like, you know, a bust. Who? What do you mean? Like, it was on first take the next day. Yeah, it was all over the You're place. You're talking about from the media perspective. Same, from the national media yeah, perspective. Because the fan base perspective was coddling. Right. But absolutely, our fan base like was, the, yes. The, the two ends of the spectrum were unbelievable. The national media is like, oh, C.J. Stroud, awful, which wasn't a good performance. But, and then the local fan base is like, oh, it's fine. Right. We love C.J. But that's why I'm saying. But the national can then start to have a trickle-down effect, and it eventually gets to the locals who then either get defensive or then they start feeling it and thinking about it and saying it too. And if you look at what happened with Trey Lance, it's funny you mentioned that, Joe, because I was thinking about it when I saw this. They led with the highlights of the Niners game and watched Trey Lance do the same thing, run for his life, get crushed, throw a, a, a pick in the, into a guy's hands for the other team in the end zone, but he, the, the, the defender drops it and his receiver catches it and he gets credited for a touchdown pass. They just completely painted this negative picture. Yep. When you looked at his stats, he was like 12 of 15, and yeah, he got the, the bonus touchdown he didn't deserve, but he was 12 of 15. But the national media carries so much weight and influence in people's opinions that that's what they can do. I was I was waiting for them to come out and say Richardson didn't look great either. Yeah. Young didn't, you know, there was a lot that they could have said they didn't. The reason why though is just it's it's just a bad luck of the draw. CJ was the only one on TV. He was the only thing to talk about the next day really. I mean, Anthony Richardson's interception, that first one where he like Leans back Ball. off one foot, throws it with just his like sidearm. It's one you, of the worst things. What do you I've think ever he was seen. trying to do? Great question. I think he was trying to throw it away. Did, did you I see the, the shallow? I think cross he was trying bird? to throw it away. The, the guy a little more shallow than the out route. I thought, well, maybe it just slipped. Yeah. 
because I thought that was the right read. That was the dump down to throw to, but he was trying to throw the out. See, I thought he was trying to throw to the guy you're talking about, but throw it away. Maybe, I, and maybe that's the case, too. But I'm I like, I'm looking at the replay going, that's the guy he should have been targeting. Somehow, then he throws the floater <laughs> over that guy's head to the to the out route going. And I'm going, oh, my I mean, God, that was terrible. It, it looked like CJ's it, interception's on par with that one, though. It no, is. I, I don't honest, know, man. He double pumps. He, he didn't doesn't read see the safety. safety. He said, I didn't see the safety in a normal sure. NFL defense. 100%. Like, and, that's he, not good. and you're right. He double pumped, which shows hesitation. But, like, this is like Anthony Richardson. This is like a breakdown of mechanics and everything yeah, a quarterback should ever do. Now, which quarterback is? successful leaning back on one foot like falling backwards intentionally and throwing a pick it was brutal like if you saw lance though you talk about the double pump and again maybe i don't know if he gets some kind of a pass because he's been in the league a couple of years now so it's not as uh, will, uh big a news to exploit it but he was so tentative and terrified to throw the the ball to the right read and and the right progression and then he took the brunt of it. It was like Deshaun. He was getting hit. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't able to get his the, the pass off. But somehow he was twelve of fifteen or whatever he was. He had good numbers. Yeah. But that's not like big bust, career threatening. He's terrible. That's just Trey Lance having an off. Day. I think we're just kind of past Trey Lance. Like I, I think so too. I watched that game for some reason, and Sam Darnold's a better quarterback, no doubt. But Sam Darnold made some decent <laughs> throws. Like, no Sam doubt. Darnold made some pretty good no throws doubt. in that game. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if Sam plays well. I'm not going to be like, there was one guy from NFL.com. I remember that. He predicted that Sam Darnold would lead the 49ers to the Super Bowl over the Jets. I would never go that far. Better chance that he leads the 49ers to the Super Bowl than uh, Lance, though, than Lab Dance Lance. By, by sure. a lot. By, by a lot. Uh, Texans signed EJ Perry yesterday. Uh, Case game has not practiced the last two game, uh, two days, which is heartbreaking, devastating. I hope he's okay. I think he's hurt. That's my guess. That's my guess. I think he's hurt. Big C says, are we going to talk about how good Derek Carr looked as a Saint? Yeah, we're going to be doing that in around the NFL. Uh, 713-780-ESPN, the HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Can you envision a scenario this season where Texans fans are griping about not landing Bryce Young? Also, which player, Texans are starting a joint practices tomorrow against the Miami Dolphins. Which player should gain the most from these joint practices? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about the good people at Apollo Men's Health. Apollo's the best in the business at helping you with just the simple, mundane tasks that you're trying to do during the day, having more energy to get them done, having more strength and physical fitness so that you feel better and you can do more. All the different things that you struggle with as you get older are taken care of for you by the good people at Apollo Men's Health. Both men and women are in the lobby every single day, and they're learning more and getting involved in hormone therapy and B12 shots and all the different ways they can have more energy in their day to get more tasks accomplished and feel like they can get more things done. That's a fantastic thing that they do. But if you want to get on a workout program, you can start with a body composition analysis and you can start to lose weight, gain muscle, check your numbers and realize you're getting results even when you don't feel like you're making progress. You want to recover quicker after those workouts? They have solutions for you that way too. And if you can't have time, if you don't have time and can't see a way where you can lose weight by working out, new FDA approved semi-glutide is available where you can lose up to six pounds in a week and you don't even have to go work out. They have it. You can get information on it. All you got to do is go to ApolloMH.com. When you do, you're going to find out that there's a ton of services they offer. There might be a few that could interest you. And if there are, sign up for an appointment right there online. Go in with an open mind. Talk to them. Ask questions. Get results. Tell them where you're lacking. They'll put you on a program that gets those problems fixed, gets you where you need to go, and gets your goals accomplished. They do it on a daily basis. They care about their patients. 
You need to check them out. There's most major insurances accepted, discounts for military personnel and first responders, a million different ways you can take care of it, but this is the way that I recommend. They're good people doing great things. Go see the people at Apollo Men's Health. Informed opinions are oftentimes presented here. You're locked in with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Uh, did you hear the Texans have been fighting its uh, practices, by the way? No. They had a uh, they had a scuffle yesterday in which D'Amico Ryan said, finally, finally we have a scuffle. And then they apparently they had like a pretty good scuffle again today. And D'Amico was asked about it again after practice. He's like, look, it's football. What do you expect from us? Personally, look. Wait till the Dolphins get going. I know. I, I, uh, I tweeted this earlier at Jeremy Brenham. Uh, it's minus three hundred that they have a scuffle in joint practice oh between God. the Texans and the Dolphins. It's, it's it's the it's the it's the no brainer of the century. It's the lock of the century. This happens every single year for all the benefits and, and and all the the good that comes out of joint practices. When you finally get your ones going up against ones and you get extended time having real football being played by real football players, it's going to happen. Like you get tired of hitting, you hear it all the time. You get tired of hitting your own guys and seeing your own guys, and all of a sudden you see guys, you see guys across from you that have the same kind of ferocity that you do, trying to do the same things that you're trying to do, and you're outside, and it's probably pretty damn hot. Tempers are going to flare. It's it's the rite of passage when we get into spring football uh, and uh, spring training game. I mean, um, preseason games. That's just what the way it happens. Look, they're dime a dozen. Training camp scuffles are dime a dozen. Now, well, I'm not was sure it Texans... Washington the year that D Hop got into it, and that it was, was like, you know, who? nope, nope. It was Sam Fran. You know who was? You know who was guarding him? Was it Sherman? Jimmy Ward. No, but there was one with there was one. Oh, you're thinking there was with one the hard with Washington. One. Yeah. It was uh, the guy that played D back for Atlanta too. That always loved to talk. I know D'Angelo exactly. Hall. D'Angelo, D'Angelo Hall. Hall. That and was it, the first one. It got really messy. That that one. was the hard knocks year. Yep, that was right. the hard knocks. That's year. right. Now. After that, I don't know if it was the next year or two years, three years, whatever, but there was one between the Texans and San Francisco when they had a joint practice, and it was Jimmy Ward on DeAndre Hopkins. And Jimmy Ward and DeAndre Hopkins, the very first play of, like, you know, inter-squad scrimmage, not not the first play of practice, but first play of the scrimmage, yeah, they're throwing punches. It was Jimmy Jimmy Ward, now current Houston Texan. I, th- I think there's going to be a joint practice scuffle. But, look, again, this is this is a reach and probably a hot take. The the Texans I don't remember having a scuffle like within their own team in the last few years. D'Amico Ryan and they're dime a dozen. We all know that that practice scuffles and in training camp are dime a dozen. Every team has them almost every single year. It's why the Draymond Green stuff, stuff was so overblown. But but I don't remember one happening in a while. And D'Amico Ryan's reaction to it yesterday it was like finally today it's like yeah so what it's football. You have a defensive minded physical head coach that kind of wants his team to be tough. Chippy, he wants physical. To feel the fire. Look, I, I like this. Yep. I can I like this. I love the fight. Whatever. Like that's going to happen. But D'Amico Ryan's like basically encouraging it because he wants the fire. He wants a team that has an edge to them. That's the team that I want playing football on Sundays yeah. in Houston. Yeah. You don't want the guy that comes out there scolding his players and slapping them on the wrist and making them run a lap or something like that because they got into it with someone on another team. You want that from your entire offensive and defensive unit. You want that that want to. You want that kind of pissed off temperament because you're playing a violent sport and you want your t- players to have that in their belly and they you want that intensity. And I, I, I think that you're seeing now 
some of the ways that D'Amico can be a real bonus for this team by basically saying there's a way to control those emotions, control that anger and that fear that you're bringing, but he's not going to shy away from it. He's not going to tell him not to do it. That's football. Yeah, it's football. I'm, I'm cool with it. I like it, actually. Brooks Cabina said that he didn't see a fight the last two years, that he thought this, I didn't was, think so either. this was their first fight in three off-seasons, which is stunning. Yeah, give me a physical. Give and me the edge. Exactly. Like yep. it's something it shows there's there's fire on this team for like the first time. These players knew what the last 2 years was. Yeah. Like they knew going into camp everyone pretends like we're going to go into the season, we're going to be good. If you're the Houston Texans the last 2 years, you knew you were going to be trash. Like the players knew that they were just playing to not get hurt or playing for a contract or playing for the next job. There was no team. Like there was no chance of making the playoffs last two years this year you have something for the first time you're building something that actually matters you got a little fight in you Thank you got goodness. some desire you got some, you got the edge i i like it and look the, the scuffle like that's gonna happen that's gonna happen whatever but the reaction from D'Amico, look maybe i'm reading too much into it but i, I like that edge i want a team that's gonna be scrappy on but sundays even, question, even, even if they win six games i want scrap i want you to play physical i want you to play hard but how do you feel about a player's s2 level s2, s2 level when they throw a punch when the other dude's helmet is on. That's that a low S2E move. Like, that is really what dumb. Are we do? Like, Did that happen? I, no, but it happens all the time. Very low S2E move. I, when that happens, it's just astonishing. Yeah, I don't care how quick do your jab is and how quickly you can, got you a can helmet on, man. throw a punch. Yeah, when you hit a face mask or the side of a helmet, advantage helmet. Yeah, low S2E move. It's one of the dumbest things that you, you professional need to, football players do. You, what you really, what the move is a classic face shove. I think that's the move. Classic face shove. Yeah, see, right now, to the bottom of the face mask, upward trajectory. Got to get low underneath the face or, mask. And I can remember from some of the, the inter-squad scrimmages that the Packers used to have in the past. There were guys that just basically used it as a weapon, and there was it wasn't going to be on SportsCenter, and it wasn't going to be lawsuits and otherwise. Guys would just take their helmets off, or he would, the one guy would take his helmet off, grab it by the face mask, and start swinging it like a bowling ball. Remember when Aaron Donald did that last year? Oh, that's right. He did it versus the Bengals. Yes. He's, he's like, all of a sudden you see this like helmet just come over the top. That's Remember right. Miles Garrett? Yeah, Miles <laughs> when he tried Garrett. to kill Mason Randolph yeah. or Rudolph or whatever yeah. his name yeah, is. Yeah, that was the one I was I think it was That's the one I was, yeah, yeah, that was the one I was referring to in an actual, wasn't it a Sunday night or a Monday night game? That yeah. he did it because it was yeah. it was like it was prime blowing. time. Yeah, it was national TV. I, I think it was. I think, I think it was, it was Monday, a Monday night. I think it was Monday night football. I think it was a Monday night. <laughs> he took off the helmet, was swinging it at him. That's the guy I want on my football team. That's not well, low S two. I mean, That's a dangerous man. It's that. a dangerous man. It's I want one thing out of practice. Me. It's another thing no. on TV in a in a regular nope. season. That's an intimidator. I want intimidators on my football team. What I really need now in the NFL season after the Tim Anderson fight is I need two players to like square up, <laughs> drop the helmets, and, like let's and go the, to war. The referee gets out of the way. Yeah, that was great. He's, like the referee's asking, like he's acting like he's Miles Teller there. Like, get it on! Like it was awesome. I'm convinced that that umpire has like boxing experience. Mil, Mil, Mills Lane, right? Mills Lane is Miles the, Teller's the actor. Yes, yes. <laughs> the, he's a <laughs> Phillies fan. He was all over the World really? Series as a Phillies fan. Oh, yeah, Miles he, Teller. Yeah, not Teller. Miles Lane. I no, think not we, Miles Lane. I think we might is have it lost Mills Miles Lane or Miles Lane. I can't remember, but I think we might have lost him. Oh yeah, I think I, I don't think, think he's, I don't, yeah, he was an older guy anyway. I think we might have lost him. Uh to Dolphins Texans joint practice tomorrow. Who is the most likely to benefit from this? Big C says the obvious answer is CJ Stroud yes. gets to see complex defenses. I, I agree. I agree for the record. Let me give you one pushback. I think the biggest thing that CJ Stroud though needs is live reps where he's getting actually hit. Because the the one thing that CJ Stroud is st- struggling with right now is he's not he hasn't been decisive. He is not he's been he's been hesitating. He hasn't been going basically on first reads. He doesn't trust himself. He doesn't have the confidence. I don't think you necessarily learn a whole lot of that when people are running by you and tapping you on the booty. 
It was Mills Lane. Was it Mills Lane? Yeah. I, I see. This is something you and I talked about last week. The thing that C.J. Stroud, the reason why C.J. Stroud's the answer for me is just from the speed of the game and having ones go up against ones and also have the confidence of knowing that whether they play in preseason games or not, you're going to probably see the majority of your offensive linemen, with the exception of Howard, be out there so that you can kind of rationalize, well, what happened to me in the first preseason game was not the norm because of the fact that I didn't have a lot of my regular guys out there. But at practices, I can still get a grasp on the full speed of the game but I'll have a better idea who's going to be protecting me so I don't have to be running for cover the minute the snap hits my hands. Yeah, yeah. Who else do you think has a, a lot to gain here? Stingley? Because a lot of people, I've seen like Lamont get upset, I think, at me when I've brought up, you know, what he did in college versus Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson in practice. And that's totally fair. But now Derek Singer Jr. is going to have a week of facing Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill. Like, who is he as a corner? He's going to learn That's this week. Point. This is going to be intense day-to-day. And just I would just say the offense in general because you're playing against the best defensive mind in the NFL for six straight days, if you include, or for five straight days because you're going against Vic Fangio. Like, he's going to throw stuff at C.J. Stroud in this offense that they're not prepared for. You're going to learn so much about this offense and what they can and can't do right now. D'Amico pointed to the fact that McDaniel likes to use a lot of uh, motions on offense, too, and he thinks that's going to be good for his young defense to see some complexities of, a, of another offense. So I think, I think it's going to be very, very good. I think there's going to be more done – in these joint practices, and there will be in the game on Saturday. I think Will Anderson and and, and uh, Christian Harris for sure, because of the fact that these are the, your, your budding stars, guys you're going to be expecting more and more of to get as many live reps going against that kind of movement, especially because he moves the backs around, because he runs guys through the slot a lot, because he's got there's going to be a lot of motion right in front of them. I think those two guys have a ton to learn that they could benefit greatly from from a week of this, too. 713-780-ESPN. Mailbag Monday. You can ask the Killer Bees whatever you want. It could be sports. It could be food. It could be whatever. 713-780-3776. Your questions with the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. You've got mail. It's Mailbag Monday with the Killer Bees. Something's in the bag. What's in the bag? Oh, what's in the box? Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. A mailbag Monday. You can ask us whatever you want to ask us. 713-780-3776. Dre says, who starts week one? C.J. Stroud or Davis Mills? It's not even a question. This is C.J. Stroud's team going forward until further notice. C.J. Stroud, you're not going to announce C.J. Stroud as your starter preseason game one. Only play him two series, whereas Mills gets the brunt of the playing time and then not start him week one of the NFL season. Now, does he give you the best chance to win week one? That's, not. that's the question. <laughs> Probably but I, I not. Mean, but that's taking... You're right. You know, the, the neither scenario is good. You know, so the thing is, is you're putting all your eggs in the basket of your franchise quarterback that you drafted as highly as you did, mm-hmm. and you're going to take the hard knocks early, and you're going to hope that it helps him to develop into a stronger, better quarterback later. That's what you're doing. It's, it's not even a question. It's it's Stroud. 713-780-3776. Out to the HRP listener line. Julian, I'm sure with a 49ers question. What's your question for the Killer Bees, Julian? Good afternoon, gentlemen. I want to know what do you think? Uh, what do you guys think RJ did with the money he got from the Saudis to leave the station? From the Saudis, he's talking about the uh, the live the con. I think he's talking about the cons because he went to Jacksonville, right? That's what he means. 
I guess so. He's talking about the cons. It could be RJ's live tour. He's trying to start I mean, a live tour for producers, Joe. You might be getting a call. That's not even borderline racist, right? That's that's just over the top racism by Julian there. Think so? I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. He called them the Saudis. I mean, they are, but. Uh, how much money did RJ get to go back to Jacksonville from the cons? I would guess not very much. I would say not nearly enough. I guess not very much. Well, I guess it was enough if he left. Mm. Depending on if he's happy. We don't know that. We don't. We publicly we don't know that. What is your question for the Killer Bees? Four six two four. Hey Blankers, this is my mailbag. Fe- a fellow Packer fan, what do you think of the Jordan Love era so far? I think it sucks. What? He was good. He was good. It's preseason. Everybody's supposed to look good except for C.J. Stroud and Richardson and I a mean, few he, others. He went seven for ten for like forty six yards. Okay, big deal. No, I'm saying that's not good. What, what was it? What were his numbers? Like 7 for 10 for 46 yards. 7 to 10. Great accuracy. Terrific for 46 yards? It's because he was throwing in the end zone from 5 yards no, away to Romeo because, Dobbs. It's because now that the diva's gone, what they're going to do is they're going to completely shan, uh, Shanahan-ize the offense, and they're going to do what Purdy did a year ago. They're going to get it out of his hands quickly. Look, as much as I told you that I don't believe in love and, and I don't believe... No, I, I could have told you that. Okay. Well, you, I mean, obviously, we don't want to cross some, some of those lines sometimes. But, you know, in terms of my own personal life, everything's great. But in terms of love as the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers is not the answer to me. It never has been. And in my mind, he never will be. And I, I, I've said, I hope he proves me wrong. And I don't want this to be like the show after us. I'm just going to let you know that from a Green Bay perspective, everybody I've talked to has said the one problem, because I, I keep saying he can be so bad that we could be in the Caleb Williams conversation next year for the draft. But the rest of the team is really, really good. They're really young. They drafted, they've drafted the last couple of years yeah. really well. I don't think they're going to be that bad. They're saying that Dobbs might be the number one receiver. He looks good. So I'm just saying. So you got Dobbs and Watkins. That's Watson. Or Watson. You know your yeah. own receiver's names. Okay. We just got done talking about Watkins. I, I look at this and I say, hey, look. I would love it for them to be in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes because that's the easiest way you can turn the whole franchise around again and be better right away and be hopefully on the way to being really good again. Yeah. But overall, the roster's really good, and the Bears are supposed to be the biggest turnaround in the NFL this year, which I hate saying because of Joe. But I don't think the Packers are going to be that bad. I just don't. I Someone think said be that fine. they were going to be a playoff team, and I can't see that. NFC's happening. not great. I think the North is pretty equal. Yeah. I think we've over... You don't think the Lions are no. a step above? It's, I don't believe in golf either. And I do, do believe the Lions are a step above. You do? Yeah, I believe the Lions are a step above. Maybe. I think the Vikings are also underrated, to be honest. I think the Vikings are very underrated. 13 wins a year ago, and they're they're not going to be good this year in a poor NFC North. I know, a but poor like a NFC. Le- it's typically, we all know how the NFL works. Yeah. A lot of those one-score games, they just flip from one year mm-hmm. to the other. They went 11-0 they in seven points you know or why? less games. You know why they won a bunch of one-score games? Because they won a bunch of games. I the know. NFL usually are one-score games. Like the average margin of victory so in the NFL long. is what under it's like four and a half something Probably. like that. Like it, it that's the way the NFL works. Uh, two two three nine. What's harder to stomach, Branham? Jokes getting sent to Sugarland or Keenum missing practice? Love my Cougs, but I'm also uh, I also tell it like it is. I wanted Corey Jolks to be sent down two weeks ago because I wanted to see John Singleton, and he had been struggling. I think it's in the best interest of Jolks to be with the Spacers right now to get some bats and build that confidence. Uh, I love Case Keenum. I love Corey Jolks. Probably Keenum, though, because I don't want Keenum to miss practice. I don't want him to be hurt. I think Jolks going down to Sugar Land was the best thing that could happen for him and the Astros. Yeah, I think Jolks needed it. I think mentally it was just it was getting to him that – you know, for a while there, we were saying, look, he's just had a bunch of bad luck. He was hitting hard, barreled up balls right at people, and it just wasn't 
working out for him, but then it got blown up because of the fact that he was an O for streak. He was in an O for streak, and you know, and he was feeling the weight of the world on his shoulders because he's supposed to be doing what he was doing all year. He needed a break, and if he wasn't going to sit down completely, he needed to be sent down. And I think it'll be the best thing for him. O six one three. If you had to choose, what barbecue meat and side could you eat for the rest of your life? This is a good one. It's a great one question. Side, barbecue meat in one side? You barbecue meat in a side for the rest of your life. Brisket, Brisket and mac and cheese. I think I'm right there with you. Brisket and mac and cheese. Yep. You're probably going to die quicker because you're not going with a veggie. Uh, look, man, I'm already fat. Like, Facts. Oh, well. Me too. Taste matters. Um, you're, so you're going brisket too? I'm definitely going beef. I might go beef rib over brisket though. Beef rib's fantastic. It also depends on where you're getting it from. Like if it's from Franklin's, give me the brisket. If it's Killen's, give me the beef rib. If it's Corkscrew, give me the brisket. So like it depends where you're getting this from. J Bar M. J Bar M's so good. So good. There's so many options. So good at J Bar. I'm probably going brisket at J Bar M. I guess I'm going brisket more often than I'm going beef rib. So maybe I change my answer here. I think we're all in the brisket basket. <laughs> it's the sides. I would go. I agree with Joe. Mac and cheese is one of my uh, obviously from Wisconsin too, but I love mac and cheese. I probably so, got to go mac and cheese too. That's so good. I probably have to go it's mac so and cheese good. too. And it's so hard to get wrong. I don't hate potato salad though. No, I like I potato. Love, I, like I love, I love potato, potato salad. salad as well. Which but version you know what? do you like? Probably mac. Would you, no, would he's you talking about which, mustard which, or mayo. Ma- mustard oh, or mustard mayo. for sure. I don't mustard. like I don't like mayo based yeah. salad. I like them both. I'm mustard number one. Mustard I like the sure. mayo. It's fine, but the mustard I think. It's I would go mayo here, first, then mustard. Were you not here last week when I told Blankers he should try his potato salad with a ketchup base? Uh, yeah, we were. Uh, we discussed all that was the was that was gone? the one where we did the start sit. Oh yeah, I was not there for that. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. It was Belmer. Belmer right. had a bad food take, didn't he? Belmer had two of them. No, he had one because he did one. He disagreed with you and agreed with me. That wasn't a bad take. Yeah, it, was it was a horrible. smart take. He had two bad takes. <laughs> the final one was what did he say? I think he said a hot dog over a burger and ribs. Right? He did. I think that was the one. Oh, that was what? one. It was yeah. burger. It was a burger, ribs, hot dog. And, and he, he went hot. He dog? went hot dog as a start. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. like, if Love we're Bellman, talking, that was a that was a poor take. Like brat, Italian sausage. Nope. Like, that's a different world. Nope. than Hot dog, just hot regular dog. hot dog. Hot dog. Oh, what a mistake! Well, triple zero two said burn ins and baked beans. No way on burn ins are phenomenal. Burn ins yeah. are burn phenomenal. Burn ins are a legit choice. But burn ins are brisket. Yeah, they are. Yeah, you kind of you get it anyway. Yeah, I mean, now I understand that it's you know, it's well done versus yeah, but I mean it's brisket. Yep. Uh, eight zero two nine. How many wins do the Texans need to avoid a top five pick? I have to go back off, you know, look at it from last year. I would say to feel safe that it's not a top eight? five is seven. I feel like seven gets you out seven of the to top eight, five. Seven to eight. I feel yeah. like seven for sure you're out of the top five. But if you're six, I think you're in the territory. I think you're right. I think you're in territory. So seven to avoid the top five, I think. Which I'll ask my own mailbag question: Do the Texans get seven wins? Nope. The, yeah, I don't think so either. Sure the, don't. the Raiders had the had six wins. I think they had this. They had the seventh pick. Yeah. That's right. The Raiders had the seventh pick. They had six wins. But there's probably a tiebreaker. Who had the fifth pick? Um, the Rams. And they had they had five. Okay. There was there was six other teams below six wins. Last I've, year, I to build to be safe though. I would need seven wins to not be in the top five. I think six you're in play. And last year maybe no, it was a funny yeah. year. Yeah, you had yeah you had six teams with six wins or less last year. That definitely seems like an anomaly. I think it's more difficult. To pick out teams that are going to be the, just the bottom of the barrel suck this year, as it was a year ago, you could pretty much say, you know, you could point to you could there was a list of four or five, or right off the top, you go, they're going to be really bad. Yeah, uh, this year, what is it, Arizona? And I'm curious if the Rams are any good. Well, because they, they did, they I mean, they sold the farm. To you know win who the Super looked, Bowl. You know which rookie quarterback looked the best this week? Stetson. Probably because he's 32. But Stetson Bennett was the best looking rookie quarterback. He has almost the same exact. 
measurables as Bryce Young? From like a stature point of view, I'm not yeah, talking about like yeah, their arm right. and their speed stuff like that. Although Stetson Bennett's an athlete, man, I'm very intrigued. I don't think I'm not saying Stetson Bennett's gonna be good. He can drink and run, right? But I'm super excited. Not excited. I'm super intrigued with Better than Stetson Bennett's career. Like I'm curious to see what it's gonna be. I, I think there's a good chance he's the starting quarterback for the Rams next year. I think he starts a game this year. Well, because Stafford Stafford's gonna get hurt. I think he for starts sure. a game this year, and he especially if they're out of it. Five. If you're out of it, they're just gonna say you can sit, man. Uh, is Jose Abreu turning into Jake Overeasy? Consensus was that fans were hoping for discomfort with Jake, and now there's the back spine pain thing with Abreu, which no. probably explains. I don't know, man. I think he is Jake Overeasy. See, I don't were, because he's not a, he's not a clubhouse cancer. But people are rooting for them not to oh, play sure. so others can play. Right, but overall, Jake Overeasy was a pain in the ass in the locker room. When he, with the Teammates media. loved him. Teammates loved him, but he played the media. He, the managers didn't love him. He bitched when he got taken out. He bitched when he didn't start when he was ready. I don't think Abreu's that kind of guy. Um, yeah, I didn't, he feels like he's a good guy in the locker yep. room. He, he really does. My and, wife's got a real problem with the fact that he can't button up his jersey. That's like first baseman's things. Though. This is he like really this did the new same look thing. where you just button up the one by the belly button and just let it all hang out. My kitchen is dirty. What's your favorite pizza joint in Houston? Clean up your kitchen. Mine's Star Pizza, probably. Star Pizza, for sure. Star Pizza. Go Cook's place. Joe, you got anything? Joe's going to say Pequod's, not in Houston. Is it Pink's? Yeah, it's Pink's. Pink's. Yeah. You can't even, if you don't even know if that's the name of the place and you're going with it. It's been so long since I've had oh, it. What's the, uh, I'm bad with names, uh, though, too. Pizza, pizza Lavinia over here. He used to coach at U of H. Really? Lavinia, yeah. Well, but Pizza Lavinia, right, <laughs> right over there off a of wall or whatever it is. Man, that's really good stuff. Too. I've never been there. Oh, it's fantastic. I'll have to check it out. Nick's Place is a good pizza, too. Yep, Nick's, Nick's good. Place, really good place. very good. Really good place. Especially if it's free. Give me three. 713-780-3776, our mailbag Monday. Any other questions you want to ask the Killer Bees, just tweet them at Pac-Man Joel. Uh, Blinkers, you and I are both not really pay-the-man kind of guys. We don't love 10-year extensions to players, $300 million to players, playing paying guys into their mid-30s. Kyle Tucker, though? Maybe the exception. We're not going to go 10 years, but I have a Kyle Tucker extension compromise truce that I want to you know, see what you guys think. Would Kyle Tucker do it? Would the Houston Astros do it? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. It's time to sit back, relax, and enjoy this next bit of brilliance with Joel and Jeremy. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's the Killer Bees. I uh, I walked it through the bullpen just now, bullpen area where we go to prep and meet and be jolly. Uh, you, you spruced it up. You brought in a little basketball goal, which I was throwing down some jams the other day. It's not a hoops goal, but it's not bad. Um, Breakaway, though. That intern, it rust proof. That intern computer... I walked by, and on the screen, it was a Google search for the word aggressive. Hmm. What's going on at ESPN 97.5? Who's who's Googling aggressive? Joe. Are they just trying to spell aggressive? They're Googling the word to see if their spelling's correct? Joe's trying to make What's I happening? Do, I do know who used that computer last. I don't. I don't I don't know. Who it was, was Dell. It? Dell? What, Dell. Well, that's every day. Like, Passive Dell, aggressive, why baby. Are you, why are you Googling aggressive, Dell? 713 is listening? Oh, he, he does. He would listen if it, if eh, Blankers is here, so I don't know. Well, <laughs> Not that it hurts my feelings one bit. I want, did, did, did it, do you detect a lie? I mean, he listens, but then, you know, because periodically he'll text, <laughs> but he gets snarky, but that's still. 
<laughs> I'm I'm so fascinated with uh, why Dell Google searched aggressive for. If it wasn't Dell. Wrong answers only. 713-780-3776. We're internless for the next three weeks. School is back in session. Oh, somebody's going to intern during school? Yeah, we got a whole fall class coming in. Oh, okay. I don't really know how that works, but that's cool. Uh, Wrong answers only. Why was Dell allegedly uh, Googling the word aggressive? 713-780-3776. We're not pay-the-man kind of guys. We don't really believe in 300 million 10-year deals. It's not in our DNA of this show. And we're honestly, we're in the minority compared to the rest of the city. Uh, it's kind of I'm not part of the show. And, well, the talent, uh, the talent, I refer to the talent as the show, not the producer, not the guy behind the glass, not the guy pushing the buttons, turning the knob. I'm talking about the talent, the people in front of the microphones. I hear you. Um, but yeah, you're, you're a pay the man guy. Joe George is definitely a, a pay the man guy. Can I give y'all a compromise? Let me play mediator here. Let me play arbiter. Joe, you can speak for Kyle Tucker since you're a pay the man guy. Blankers, because you know you're on the Astro side of this. Yeah. You know, don't pay guys over five, six years into their mid thirties, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe you can play the side of the uh, the Astros. Dana Brown, J- uh, Jim Crane. Here is my compromise. I don't want to pay Kyle Tucker into his mid thirties. I don't want to give him a ten year deal. What if I said, let's give Kyle Tucker buy out to the two years of arbitration and then four years of free agency. Here's my compromise. I'm giving t- Kyle Tucker. Two hundred and forty million for six years. Buying out two years, I'm giving it's getting his first four years of free agency. Now that's forty million dollars a year. That's Aaron Judge money. But I'm overpaying in the average annual value because I don't want to give him more than six years. So two forty for six, average annual forty. That keeps him here through two thousand twenty nine when he'll be thirty two years old. Jordan Alvarez's current deals through two thousand twenty eight when he'll be thirty one. I know $40 million is a lot of money, but Jordan's less than 20 So the way that I look at this is you're getting Jordan at roughly 20 Kyle Tucker at 40 You had the best middle of the order in the American League on $60 million total per year, which is $30 million a year. When you aggregate, I don't know if that's a word, whenever you put Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez together, you're paying them on average $30 million a year. It doesn't sound worse that way. Where do you all stand? Can, can my compromise of an extension with Kyle Tucker – Two hundred and forty million, six years, forty million a year. Where are you, Astros? Where are you, Kyle? Tucker? Before I go to the agent and see that he's going to have this offer presented to him that he can basically opine for, I'm going to tell you that the biggest problem that I face as the Astros, if I'm going to do a deal like this, is Jordan Alvarez is going to be pissed off. Like I'm pissing off one of my other best players, and I can't be in a position to just say, "Well, you signed it. That's the way it goes." You're not. You're not going to negotiate with Kyle Tucker about the feelings of Jordan Alvarez. No, though. but Jordan I'm negotiating Alvarez. with the thought in my mind that if I make an offer like this to Tucker, I might be rocking the boat within my own locker room with my what, one what, of my best, what, if not my best player. What can you do though? Never sign a free agent. No, but like, I, Jose Abreu is making more money per year, almost as much money as Jordan Alvarez. Like he signed the deal, he's got to okay, live well, with it. Look, Judge Wapner, you're at you know we're, we're pre- you're presenting it, and and I'm thinking about things that I got to think of as the Astros. But if you're if you're have Jordan Alvarez as part of your decision making, you're never signing a free agent again. See, I don't mind the fact that you're paying more, but you're cutting off the last two to four years where the return on investment is basically null and void. You're not getting hardly anything for him, and, and because of his age, you might get a little something for, him, but not nearly what you're paying for. What do you mean? Like the tenure deals, the tenure deals yeah. that when you're looking at the Cabrera deals and the 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 um, first baseman for the Cardinals that went to the Angels, Pools, Pools, and Cabrera are the two biggest ones. Where you just you don't want to be hamstrung and handcuffed by the fact that you're going to tenure deals and they absolutely kick you the last three or four years of the deal. 
So I like the fact that you know you cut off his last two years. You give you get the, the the prime years of his career. You overpay a little bit, but you prevent him from going to free agency. You make him happy. Your team's happy. You continue the golden era of Astros baseball. Can I get eight? No, no. This is my best and final. Two forty for six. Or you're playing on somebody else's team in three years. This is not a negotiation. It's my no. best and final. I can't get a counter. No, it's your best. And, this is my best and final. Can I go seven? Nope. This is my best and final. You're getting $40 million a year right now, so I'm buying out your two years of arbitration. Kyle Tucker's making $5 million this year. Where does he get bumped to next year? I don't know, $10 million? $10 million? No, so you're I'm... getting $30 million more next season. You're probably getting $20 million more the following season, and I'm paying you an AAV that's equal with Aaron Judge. All right, if I'm Kyle Tucker, which I am right now, I'm accepting this deal if it's offered right now. Right now. Because that means I'm hitting free agency again at 32 years old. Exactly. And while I'm probably not going to get another $40 million a year contract, look at Jose Abreu got at 36. It still might be $25 million for four or five years. There's a lot of good baseball, in my opinion, still left of Kyle Tucker after the age 32 season, which is why I think he would never sign this deal. But I don't know. It's, it's $40 million. Lot, It's a lot of money. It's $40 million. It's, it's the most for a position player to be equal to Judge. So you're paying him the most for a position player equal to Aaron Judge. You're buying out two years of arbitration, so he gets a big boost. And like you said, he becomes a free agent still entering and his they, age 33 season. Aaron Judge just signed his 10-year deal, by the way, at the age of 30. See, I think the reason why Tucker would take it, too, is because now he doesn't have to press and, and, and bet on himself continually going forward for the next couple of years, trying to make sure that when he does completely hit free agency that he has the utmost value, that he can still maximize this money. He's, he can capitalize on the fact that he is as hot as he's ever been. He is putting up unbelievable numbers. Everybody's starting to take notice, and he can capitalize without having to put the pressure of having to sustain that for more than just this season, trying to hang on so he can get the most value. So you this best of both worlds, because the Astros don't want to sign more than a six-year deal. They've never given out more than, what, a five-year deal? I think they offered Correa a six-year, but they, he, Correa felt it was a low ball in terms of the AAV. Kyle Tucker gets paid more than any other player, any other offensive player in baseball, with the exception of Aaron Judge. So you're saying, look, Tucker, we view you in the same tier as Aaron Judge. We're going to give you $40 million a year, but because we don't believe philosophically as a team to go beyond six years, this is the best we can possibly do. And I kind of wonder at what point the Kyle Tucker realizes that the saying, the grass is not always greener on the other side, is so true. Look at these guys. Garrett Cole is in last place. He's accomplished nothing. Carlos Correa, it's cute. They're in first place right now in their division. They're four games above 500. He's terrible. The Blue Jays are fighting for the last wild card spot. Like everyone that leaves this team, they don't really accomplish much. Dallas Keuchel didn't do anything. Joe Musgrove has not accomplished anything. Like as a team, he's got individual stuff. If you want to win, it's here. Everyone that leaves besides Charlie Morton is a loser after they leave the city. So like, you get your money, you stay a winner, you can get paid again. If I was Jim Crane, I would do that deal. And if I was Kyle Tucker, I think I'd say yes. I'd still ask for That's seven. That's a lot of money, man. It is a lot of money. And I think that, throw, a player, throw a team option in there for the seventh at 45. I think cool. Crane, the businessman, says that I, I need to, as much as Astros fans are loving this, just Crane as the shrewd businessman says, I need to see more of this. I need to see him continue to be able to do this. I have my doubts. And I also think that if I go out in a free agency, if he does – ask for too many years and too much money, I can find someone that might not be Kyle Tucker, but can be close enough. I just don't agree. 
I think that you're seeing objectively one of the best 15 players in baseball on your team. I think he's better than Carlos Correa. Will he be he's there in three than, years? Will yeah. he be the same player in three years? I think so. Three years should still be in his prime. So, like, the, the six years, you're, you're trying to get his prime. Like, the, the, the problem that I have with these huge long-term deals, $40 million AAV, like Aaron Judge, $40 million AAV, is that it, at minimum, at minimum, the last five years of that deal, he's not paying. He's not playing to the, the AAV. Kyle Tucker, if you gave him $40 million for 10 years, isn't going to right. ever pay, play to the $40 million AAV. He might, he might, for that six-year frame, he might, for a five-year period, you're overspending for one year, like you're getting the peak of the player's career. Because Kyle Tucker right now is in his peak, and you're hoping that that peak extends until he's 31, 32 years old. But this takes away the 33, 34, 35, 36 years. See, the fear that I have, whether you go from the Ricky Henderson era where you know he played his tail off in contract years, and when he, once he got the contract, he just relaxed and basically kind of coasted. The fact is, is that with, with Tucker under contract for 2-plus, you're going to see him continue to try and bring his best every single day to try and equal what he's doing now to get his value up as much as possible so he hits the open market to get whatever he can get. But I think that I would still, as the Astros, have deep concerns about sustainability. And whether injuries happen or not, I think he's got a very high bar he set for himself that I think is going to be hard to be able to maintain. Absolutely. Absolutely it'd be hard to maintain. Now, the Astros are getting some Justin Verlander money. They're getting tons of money in the Justin Verlander trade, so you throw that in here. You do have some players that are about to enter free agency. Their contracts are about to be up. One of them is Jose Altuve. I'm confident they'll get something done with Jose Altuve. Jose Altuve seems like he wants to be in Houston. He said he does. I think Jose Altuve is the one guy that you keep here forever. Alex Bregman, I'm not so sure about. So if like Bregman's walking out that door, that opens up some money as well. Uh, this, to me, is my best and final. I don't want to go any further than six years. I'm sorry. I don't. I just don't believe in long-term contracts at a very top dollar. So I'm willing to go six years, and because I'm going to... Look, I, I understand that I, Kyle Tucker on the open market could get eight, nine years at $35 million, but be, as a compromise, instead of that eight, nine-year deal... I'm just going to pay you as much money as anybody in baseball from an offense standpoint. So that's the compromise. I'm cutting off a couple years, but I'm paying you as much as Joe. I still think it's two different conversations, though. I think that you're right. You could find the ways to make the money work for you by taking them or saying you saved on Verlander, you saved here or there, you can tweak a couple of contracts. But I, I just, I still have concerns about the return on investment being at the value that you're expecting when you're paying him Aaron Judge money. 713 780 3776. 240 for six. $40 million AAV. Are you taking this from an Astros perspective on Tucker? If you're Kyle Tucker, are you taking this? 713-780-3776. Also, there's good news about this Astros rotation. It's good because it's very, very deep. Now, there are some troubling things about it because it means you skip some starts for some players. It means that you're catering to Justin Verlander. You okay with all of this? And also, what does the playoff rotation look like if you're starting right now? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5.